Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life, with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR Lady, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. If you're a returning listener, you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much for coming back yet again for another episode. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome, 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 welcome. I am here to help share with you the what and the how in human resources because I'm in the human business, and that means a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. So today I'm going to share with you some employment law changes that are happening across the nation. And our main topic for today is we're going to be talking to Janie Livesay. Janie is just absolutely awesome, and we're going to really talk about in uh, our tribute to um, tribute to our veterans and uh, Veterans Month, we're going to be talking about really how to hire an elite warrior. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that want to bring in that high-level talent out of the special operations field. And uh, you know what? That's what we're here to do today. We're here to talk to you guys about how to move forward with something like that. So very awesome. And uh, how, lastly, we're going to talk about how you can get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. Now, folks, before I go on, the information available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should consult your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. And if you do not have an employment attorney, you go ahead and reach out to me and uh, contact me and I might be able to re- refer one to you through our affiliates program at Jackson Lewis. Okie dokie. So big, big article that came out from an organization called Nexus Pruitt called Employers Can Expect OSHA to Issue Emergency Rule for COVID-19 Early in the Biden Administration. So we got change that is coming down the pike, and that's something that you guys are definitely going to want to look into. Also, the Department of Homeland Security has arrested 15 individuals on OPT and it continues high scrutiny of foreign students and warns Uh, those universities so we still got some stuff that is going on and that is optional practical training for for those of you who are wondering what opt stands for the 10th circuit court has also ruled that there's no adverse action necessary to prove prove a violation of the ada's accommodation requirements um let's see what else is going on the dhs has proposed a shift to wage-based h1b selection process And the Labor Board has also provided guidance on propriety of mail or manual ballot elections. So that's kind of interesting. There's a bill that's been introduced to Congress to create a website website accessibility standard. So that's going to impact a lot of HRIS systems as well. And the Sixth Circuit Court backs termination of public employees for racially derogatory social media posts on the 2016 presidential election. So we just can't seem to get away from this election stuff, can we? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. 
Oh, my word. What are you going to do? And it looks like um, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to go ahead and rule again on the Affordable Care Act. So uh, I haven't seen anything or heard anything coming down from that. So I've been waiting for it. Over in Arizona, uh, the Arizona has passed the initiative to allow recreational marijuana use. And over in California, employers can prepare for changes following the California Family Rights Expansion Act. Also, California has issued guidance on the new pay data reporting requirements. And unfortunately, it's kind of left some questions hanging out there. So they should be able to provide some information for you here, hopefully soon. There's also some substantial new privacy obligations for California employers, including the California Privacy Rights Act and Enforcement Act of 2020, and it has passed as well over at the poll, so get ready for that. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Proposition 22 has also passed over in California, so what exactly does that mean for the gig economy over there? So that's certainly something to look into. Over in Colorado, there have been some final rules implementing the Colorado Equal Pay for Equal Work reflect significant changes that are going on over there. And Colorado vo voters also passed the Paid Family and, and Medical Leave Insurance Act. Colorado voters also, um, let's see, excuse me one second, I apologize. I wanted to read it twice. Over in Connecticut, we, uh, there's some information uh, out there about Connecticut's Paid Family and Medical Leave and what people are still learning. Down in Florida, Florida has passed the Amendment 2, which gradually increases Florida's minimum wage to $15 an hour. Over in New Jersey, there's been a legalization of recreational marijuana, but uh, the voters have approved, but it is not yet into effect. Over in New York, there's a warning to New York employers <clears throat> that the New York WARN Act now requires WARN notices to be sent to additional government recipients. Over in Oregon, OSHA has issued sweeping temporary COVID safety rules for employers as well. And that, my friends, is what we have going on across the nation. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina, along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the Special Operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows, and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life.
everybody. I've got somebody on the line that I'm really excited about today. Uh, we've known each other now, God, we've known each other, what, three years now, has it been? At least, yeah. Yeah, about that. So we've got Janie Lysay, who is now the program director over on the Virginia Beach campus of the Honor Foundation. This is the organization that you guys hear me talk about that we volunteer time at, a significant amount of time, and helping our special ops forces transition from their active duty career to their next adventure in uh, their next employment career. So welcome. Hi. Thank you, and thank you for uh, helping me to serve this wonderful community um, and giving back because you do give a lot back, and you're appreciated. Thanks, Brenda. Aw, well, thank you for that. I know we've been doing this for a, a while, and, I'm, and when you took the position over, I was really excited for you. I thought that was great, and, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm glad we're back in action again. It's a lot of fun. It is. Uh, biggest cohort ever. I keep saying yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. So let's kind of back, take a back step and let people understand exactly what this is. So would you like to explain PHS a little bit? How about I start it and you can add to it? Oh, um, yeah, that'll work. So the Honor Foundation was um, started by uh, Joe Musselman, who found himself being uh, in buds and getting hurt and being out. So through the process of, of his own experience, um, found that there was a need for the Honor Foundation and did a whole lot of interviewing and all the early days, the garage band days. But where we are now is we are laser focused to serve the soft community as they transition to, as you said, their next adventure, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, it's across all branches. Uh, here in Virginia Beach, we serve probably 95% Navy, yeah. uh, but we do serve all of the, the branches. Um, and so it's about a 15-week program. The first phase is all about creating that headspace um, to kind of reflect on, you know, what outside the military career, what gets me up in the morning, what lights my fire, what am I passionate about? Right. And being able to put words around that and articulate that. Why um, am I here? Why am I here? And if I'm not doing this, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. that, that I still feel like I'm serving something bigger and greater than myself. Right. And so we use three um, kind of assessment tools. We use the career leaders, the Gallup Strength Finders, and then Simon Sinek start with why process. And it helps us create this measuring stick using words um, that are outside of their military career and acronyms. And then we can kind of start looking at those new adventures and how they kind of compare to what I've just defined as what I'm passionate about and mm -hmm. what I'm and what I'm strong in. And then that Second phase, we kind of turn the corner. Um, it's not complete with the first phase, but it does mean that we are. Um, I think I think that but now we're going to focus on the 
kind of the business aspect and how do we, that story that we started telling in that first phase, how do we pull that into the second phase and how does it look on our resume and our LinkedIn profile and how we show up to network and mm-hmm. um, tell our story. And then by the third phase, we're kind of out and about um, comparing cultures, um, looking at different industries, uh, entrepreneurial kinds of things, corporate things, uh, the big outdoors kinds of industries, so that as we go through, it's either going to um, validate something that you were already kind of feeling, or it's going to just completely open the aperture to what's out there. And um, that's kind of, and through that process, you know, as we're going through, I'm speaking, I'm preaching to the choir, but as we're going (laughs) through all of this curriculum and new stuff, you know, they're paired with an executive coach that is helping them personalize it. And mm-hmm. so really kind of kind of makes this awesome triad um, to catapult our fellows um, into whatever that next thing is. And then after the program, um, we serve them uh, with honor for life. So as they become our alumni, uh, sometimes that's where a lot of the individual work really comes in. Right. As we and and they can come back and um, it's just a privilege to serve them, whatever that looks like. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty amazing. So Janie and I met on the second cohort, and so the so our classes we run two a year, one in the spring, one in the fall, and they're cohorts, and it's a collective group of individuals. And like the first cohort we had was sixteen people, and this now we're up to forty four, if I'm right, officially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 44 people, and it's a, you know, it's a combination of, you know, technicians and and that support naval special warfare. We, you know, we've had Army, we've had, you know, Green Berets, we've had PJs, we've got a couple campuses, one down in uh, Lejeune, uh, down North Carolina, and that deals with uh, the Marine Raiders. And um, over on the West Coast, um, we also have, you know, another concentration of. of we're very strong with naval special warfare as well, and you know, started off as predominantly seals, and then it's just it's really opened up, and that's where I met, you know, quite a few people, and I got very, very involved in this community as a whole, and it's just, I mean, it's been a completely rewarding, very rewarding uh, experience. But Janie started as a coach, and we, you know, worked together and laughed a lot. <laughs> we still do laugh yeah. a lot, <laughs> but um. Hmm? I said, yes, we do. I love that part. <laughs> we do. We just kind of look at each other. But, you know, we're also really good at keeping our fingers on the pulse of what's going on, too. So if you see something and, you know, we communicate with one another. And, you know, I'm only one of many coaches, but, you know, we've got a pretty close, we're pretty close-knit between the two of us. And she's an awesome lady. And really, I couldn't think of anybody better who's leading the charge. And so her responsibility is to make sure that all of the benchmarks she facilitates the entire cohort uh, from start to finish, from enrollment to, you know, passing on. And then there's additional support that comes after that Janie mentioned. We also have a virtual campus as well, but she's the one that makes sure that we hit all the benchmarks through the course, and she does a phenomenal job with her 
for the help with Mindy and, you know, Will and Matt and all those other guys. So they're, they're pretty awesome. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Do so, so, so we have 44 people, which has been, you know, logistics. And I've actually gotten to the point where I stopped coming up to Janie and asking her questions the day we have class because she's so <laughs> I'm like, I'll catch her later. <laughs> Everybody else is coming up to her asking, hey, Janie, questions. But, um, but part of this adventure that we're on is, you know, as we talk with these guys <clears throat> and women, because we do have women in the group too, um, yeah. we help them translate their skills from the mindset of, you know, bombs, bullets, and the things that comes that starts with a B, to how does that work in 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 the private sector and or the public sector? It's like how do I how do I explain what my capabilities are without having it relate to blowing stuff up or shooting stuff up, right? And and it's a challenge for them, but that's that's part of what we're here for. <clears throat> and so uh, a lot of who we deal with is on the elite end, and there's a lot of things that come with that. Um, they have very unique needs, and, and not that they're prima donnas or they're specialists, you know, in ways that nobody else in the military, that's not it. It's just their background is different. Their background's different. Their um, their needs are different. Their mindset's different. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think what we also try to do is to go out in front of them and educate the uh, the local industries about what kind of skill set they would be getting if right. they had one of these um, elite folks um, because there's an education there too, right? Yes. That translation piece that you mentioned is not only on our fellow end, but also on our community end. Yep. Um, kind of bringing the two ends of the bridge there together. Um, but, yes, we spend a lot of time. Um, I'm really proud of our uh, resume process. Um, we, we have done a lot of research. You know, resumes are a tricky thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of my busiest two weeks. Between <laughs> um, you and me, <laughs> and I guess that's what I'm I'm focusing on when we talk about translation. Is it does start with the resume, but it's also on their LinkedIn and how they verbally present themselves. Right. But um, the research that we've done, we have then validated with small businesses, large businesses. You know, are we doing this right? Are we advising correctly? And so we go with the eight out of ten people say when we teach resume writing <laughs> um, for translation. But I think that we're we're finally at a, a place where you know companies, big companies and small companies are saying yes, mm-hmm. um, we're getting there. So we start with the fellow, their coach looks at their stuff, and then um, we send their stuff to like a, a view board of folks that right. are out in the community, currently in the industry, currently doing the hiring to say, are, you know, are we still on the right track? Are we still with the, the latest trends? And um, I, I think that part is going really well too. Yeah. 
And, you know, we don't do the work for them. We just, our our mission is to help shepherd them through the process. We, you know, just like any form of learning. And, and they wouldn't appreciate it if we did it for them. They have a greater appreciation going through the discomfort of the discovery process of themselves and how all this stuff works because that makes them, that gives them that empowerment to stand on their own two feet. Absolutely. Um, teaching them the fish, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's how they learn either. It's like, show me how to, tell me how to do it, show me how to do it, and then get out of my way and let me do it. Yep, and they're and, very quick about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't take very long. I mean, they love the challenge. They love, you know, the camaraderie that comes with this. And, you know, they they are appreciative of the resources that are made available. And so when they get into, you know, especially I can speak specifically for Naval Special Warfare and operators uh, field that, you know, they're they're in a collaborative environment that is surrounded by an autocratic enterprise. <laughs> so they have to they have these skills to where they work with one another to figure things out, like figure out what the mission objective is, how they're gonna do this, how they're gonna do that, what happens if, you know, comms go sideways or the communications go awry or, you know, what happens nothing ever goes according to plan. So, you know, they're very they're very strong and they're very flexible and, and those are serious skills that people need out in the workforce. But they just don't understand that that's like this is what they should be speaking to. And so we, we work with them on that. But at the same time, they're also very much used to a environment to where they understand that there is a hierarchy. And even though within their own command, it may be collaborative, but they still have to, you know, show respect and, what you guys see on Hollywood is really nothing, nothing, not even on CBS and all the other channels that are doing SEAL, uh, SEAL you know, shows. It's nothing like that. No, and I think that to, to think back with me through so many of the cohorts mm-hmm. when exactly what you said is that the moment that you see that they have gelled to this new group, mm-hmm. to this new cohort, this new triad, these new buddies, and as soon as that happens, happens how they kick it into gear and they just take off, right? Yeah. I love when that happens. I love that moment. Mm-hmm. And then on a personal level, as they go through from beginning to end, those aha moments for themselves. Yeah. Of Because I don't think I'll ever um, stop being amazed that these warriors – have done what they've done to serve our country and how how out of the water they feel when it comes yeah. to their own transition. And, you know, hopefully some of, some of what we're providing is clarity and that clarity and that first phase that I talked about sometimes means that they're going to stay in longer or that clarity sometimes means that they're going to find that next thing, um, it's not going to be the same, but that next thing. Um, yes. And so just watching that journey for them um, is just amazing to me. It is. Um, and you know, and they're dealing with so much when they go through with it, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know. So, so we've got a number of folks that come through this program that are full career, 20 years yeah. or more. I mean, that's the bulk of these individuals. They've, they've, 
you know, gone through a full career, so they're institutionalized <clears throat> in certain capacity, but they're also doing the job. They're being full-time husbands or wives or parents or, what, you know, whatever the circumstances. They're in the process of going through their, their medical evaluations so they can start getting their VA benefits lined up. And now we're asking them to come to class three to six hours, you know, twice a week, six yeah. hours a week, you know, eat with us. And, oh, yeah, by the way, there's homework. So, And, and think about things that you haven't thought about in 20 years. Or it's never. Hard things. Hard yeah. things yeah. that we're trying to peel the onion back on. Yeah. And, yeah. And I find a lot of these guys, um, the ones that are towards the spectrum end that you're talking about, mm-hmm. have started families late in life. So they yeah. have little kids at home. Yeah. Like little kids. And they're trying to do all this and figure out finances and their bodies hurt and, you know, all those things. Yeah. So, yeah. They do. I mean, I remember in the first class, <laughs> the first cohort, I walked in and I see a seal and he's got his arm in a sling and I go, what happened to you? He goes, well, I had surgery. And I'm like, I just saw you on Tuesday. This is a Thursday night. He goes, yeah, I know. And I said, when did you have your surgery? He goes, about four hours ago. <laughs> and I'm yep. like, they just reconstructed the surgery on your shoulder and you're here in class. And he looked at me, he goes, he smiled. He says, yeah. <laughs> oh my, my wife, my wife carried my books for me. Yep. That's okay. right. You know, I'm right? here. So, I mean, they show up, you know, and these are, these are qualities that companies are just thirsty for. I mean, they're like, they would, you know, give anything to have somebody show up time and time again. But I think that commitment, yes. yes. That drive, right? Yes. Yeah. Family. Yes. Yeah. And, and the the ethos and the integrity, really. And so, but when these guys get into companies that don't have any experience with what an elite warrior like this is about, that sort of thing sometimes can get a little wonky. So they may have used too much marketing information on, on the job description, and it's not really quite what they thought it was when they came in. And, you know, and I've seen it that they feel a little... Not defeated, but kind of like, you know, this really wasn't what I thought it was. And, you know, they got excited. It's like going on a date that you're excited for, and it turns out it wasn't a hot date after all. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, job interviewing and hunting is just like dating. (laughs) We we have a lot of uh, not hot dates. (laughs) Right. right. Yeah. Um, But... But how we work through that is that, and and this is really where we dig into their competitive nature is that, and I'll let you explain a little bit more, but we 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 challenge them to have cups of coffee with a bunch of people, and I'll let you explain that one. So that has worked really well, um, mm-hmm. even tying it back to their career leaders now. And when they take that assessment, you know, it, it identifies some of their interests. Mm-hmm. So we've incorporated that. But the Cups of Coffee Challenge is to sit down um, with someone, and it's kind of like an informational interview. It's yeah. where you get to say, you know, good, tell me about your day. Like, what, what does your day look like? What does this industry look like? What do, you, what do you have to do to get into this industry? How how did you find your way in? What would you say the whatever you want to know? 
And then at the end of that cup of coffee, the idea is to say, you know, now that, that you've talked to me and we've spent this time together, who would you recommend that I talk to next? And then it just goes from there. And what it provides is, um, you know, they're huge on research. They're huge on planning and knowing before they go, right? Mm-hmm. So it allows them to really um, get some really good intel from people that are in the industry um, about what they're interested in, you know, the highs, the lows, how you get there. It's just, it's real, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, and they seem to really like it once they get into it. But in the beginning, it's very daunting. You want me to have 50 what? You want me to talk about to people about what? Like what no. you want, uh, you know, it's very much a deer in the headlight thing. But um, we start with safe cups. I'm doing my fingers in air quotes, um, <laughs> you know, and that's neighbors, friends, THF mm-hmm. staff, coaches. Um, or alumni, to, people who yes. have already done it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to kind of, okay, what's the cadence of this thing? What's my, what am I trying to, to achieve? And then once they, once they get into it, they just really take off and then they start sharing and like, Hey, you got to talk to this guy. And, mm-hmm. um, and there's, that's where the power of the, the 10 X comes in. So did that yeah. answer your question? Oh, it did. It wasn't okay. my question. I just thought it'd be a great opportunity for you to share. Cause I'm, I'm usually one of the people that they call, especially when they do their career assessment and mm-hmm. HR is at the top. <laughs> <laughs> I it's get a lot always, of coffee. I am beamed up every class because of that. <laughs> it's always like fascinates them. HR, like yeah, there's many many components to HR. Not right. And, and the first them, thing right? that comes to their mind is Toby from the office. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, that's not what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But, so, but you know, they're they're curious, and then. We sit down and we talk, and, and I say, okay, so what about HR fascinates you? Like, what about working with people? And usually when, you know, it's a it's a master chief, they're always talking about the things that master chiefs do. And that is, you know, I, I know my people. It's like leading and developing people and growing teams. And, and every few will tell you that. They're like, yeah, I want to lead and develop and grow teams. And I'm like, I got that because that's what you're good at, but that's not what we're talking about. Like, what <laughs> what other than that interests you? <laughs> because that's what they know, and and that's yeah. the environment that they've been operating in. So then when they get to the HR, they think they're like, I have no idea what this means. And so, we, you know, it's like stripping the car down to the frame and yes. really walking through. But, you know, that's, that leadership skill is really valuable, and I know that that's what a lot of companies are looking to benefit from uh, is having somebody who's a strong leader. But I don't think they realize that when you bring in an elite warrior like this, they're not going to be afraid to tell you how it is either. They're not going to be jerks about it, but they're going to be very direct. And if you're not used to that, that's going to be a little bit of a shock. It's funny that you mentioned that. I remember um, like group 14, I think, um, there was a fellow in there, and he um, he had worked himself up to a leadership position. Um, he was a SEAL, and he talked about, often about feedback as a gift yeah. and he talked about how he uh the culture that he was in and that 
that was just given very freely. And mm-hmm. so we had to talk about, yes, feedback is a gift, but you have to go in and build that culture to receive it. So, yes. yes. You know, um, <laughs> you can't just, hey, I got some feedback for you. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so we they did won't, talk about that. Yeah, they won't even say that. They're just like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> well, yes, and then there's that. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of direct feedback that, you know, sometimes you know. But the ones, the ones that, you know, they've got – they these guys are very respectful, but when they get to know you, then that that wall starts to drop. <laughs> yes, we have mm. talked about that um, for sure. But um, there is there's a gentleman in the cohort now that um, on the third week I heard him talking in a small group, and I said to him, "Wait, uh, did I just detect a?" accent I have never heard before <laughs> and he said yeah he said it comes out when I get really comfortable and I'm like oh my gosh so not only was that like really cool because what I took from that is I'm really comfortable and right. I'm really over here sharing stuff but yeah. it just blew me away because it was also a reminder of how they do hold themselves to a very uh, professional uh, stance until they do get in and get to know you. Um, mm-hmm. but. And, and it's usually at, so we're at that point in the course right now, so we really make them, we're in, we're in this position right now where we're really making them vulnerable, feel very vulnerable. And part of this is through this, you know, the, everybody's relieved when the first phase is done. Because we take them through this process of all the self-discovery and this analysis and they're looking inward. And I mean, you got to understand this is an environment where they don't look inward and it's viewed as a weakness because it's all about getting back out there in the face of adversity. So now we're at story night and through this, through this exercise process that we take them through, which is not just like one day, it's actually about two and a half weeks where they come out and now they have to tell a story about something impactful that happened in their lives. And some of them that come out, man, they're sometimes they get stuff off the chest that they don't have, have never talked about or they've never allowed themselves to get that vulnerable. And when when they as soon as the second night of story night is done, man, everybody breathes. And what it was really cool from a coach's perspective, because I start cheering people on. You know, I'll come up and I'm like, that was fantastic. You know, and they're looking for that that feedback because there's nothing like making yourself vulnerable and then having somebody make you feel like an idiot, then you just go right back into your shell again. Right. And, and so, I, yeah. Yeah. Like go back to your dating scenario. I love you. Cricket. Exactly. Right. right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And it'll knock the confidence right out from underneath them. But once that happens, that's when I see the needle really slip and you go from, being in the red to the green very, very quickly. And the respect that they have for you, the fact that they really now trust that you're there and you have their best interest. Man, you just form some amazing friendships as a result of it. You really do. Yes, I agree with that. And, you know, I think the storytelling component to our program is is often um, a bit of a mystery or something. Um, And I was telling someone last night, 
that the story night <clears throat> is it always works out so that it is whatever that fellow needs it to be. Yes. So if the story is a fun story about adventure, awesome. Yeah. If that story turns out to be something that they needed to be free of, awesome. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of those last night. We did. But it, it turns out to be whatever they need for it to be. Like, I mean, you know, you know the – Hey, is this therapy? No, it's not therapy. It's beginning to tell your your story. And so we start with those stories that resonate with your why that comes out of that why discovery um, process. And it's any story. And so starting with your story and then learning about storytelling and the role that it has in in the world and history and in corporate America, wherever – um, especially our trainers get it, you know, that, that storytelling is a connection. Mm-hmm. So if they start with a story from their their experience and they learn how to craft it. So maybe the first time they tell it, it's the 10-minute wandering, they, in their words, they call it story vomiting. And then <laughs> after, I know, right? And then after that, we have a class on crafting a story. Like how do you, there's a a beginning, a middle, and an end, and there's a hook. And and how do I whittle my words down to be concise so that I can really make that connection? And so then they start crafting their story, and then we turn it and we start kind of focusing it in the business world, and it's it's their story about their skills. But it's kind of like... um, building that muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And you you pick it apart and you learn it and then you just start <clears> doing <throat> it. And mm-hmm. you can really tell when they hit their stride with being able to answer those questions like tell me about yourself or tell me what yeah. you're good at or give me a scenario where you did this. Um, and that's kind of how we get there. And it just, like I said, it it becomes whatever that fellow needed it to be. Yeah. Kind of cool. It is. It's really neat. And, you know, there's always, there's always at least two there. My bottom lip is quivering and I have to pull out a napkin or something and wipe my eyes away. I mean, last night we had two of them and I know we got, you know, Thursday night coming up. So there's there's two. I was crying at the uh, backpacking through the whatever (laughs) park they were in. I mean, (laughs) the the last the last two big ones of the night really got me. I tell you, yeah. yeah. And you can tell sometimes <laughs> where it, you know it's just a great story, but you can tell that that story was really impactful to that fellow. Mm-hmm. But that's what they were comfortable being able to convey or or like, you know what I mean? Like you can tell that it has deep meaning, but. They just went here with it. Does that make sense? Right. I wish, you, wish you could see my hand, Linda. Right here. Right here. <laughs> right here. I know. You're yeah. speaking. You're, you're, your visual speaking is coming back out again. Good. <clears throat> but, you know, and, and so, you know, just to clarify for this is that, you know, when we put them through this process, it's, it's to allow them to have a more comfortable level of having conversations about themselves, what they're looking for, what they're not looking for. What we're not doing is we're not forcing them to talk about 
you know, some okay. horrific thing that happened out in, in, you know, in the battle space. And, you know, this isn't, that's like you said, you used the therapy word earlier. That's not it. And, you know, I, we had an incident a couple of years ago. I wouldn't call it an incident, but a situation um, <clears throat> in the third cohort where we had a, a coach who just really wanted to be like more to the fellow than what the fellow was, what that person was actually there for. <clears throat> and they didn't mm-hmm. connect. And so, we, you know, we fixed the problem. But, you know, he came up and talked to me and I wound up taking him on. And he's like, look, if she wants me to sit there and talk about how to scoop my best friend's brains and put it back in a helmet again, I'll do that. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not the intention of this, you know. But mm-hmm. that's, that's that kind of directness is like if that's what you're pushing me to do, you know, they're going to – they're gonna nail it, you know what I mean? <clears throat> if if you if you step yeah. out of line like that, they're gonna you're just gonna never forget how that how that lesson was just presented to you, you know, and and that trust is gone forever at that point. And um so we fixed that one real quick and you know, he's he's doing phenomenal. He is. Um no, I think that, you know, <clears throat> we we try to live as much as we tell them that you have to be authentic. Yeah. Like as we're putting, pulling these words out, they have to be okay with you. Yeah. Um, you have to pick the ones that, that you like and that sound like you, you know, we're giving them a whole bunch of stuff to pick from. Right. But at the end of the day, they, it has to be very authentic to them. And then on the flip side, um, I think that, everyone on our team that that stays on our team, on our volunteer team, our coaching team, our staff team, um, those are the folks that are authentic. And the guys can, they know and they can tell. And it's just not something that we, you know, if you're not here for the right reasons, you don't stay here very long. I mean, our team is phenomenal. We are able to serve, uh, there's 2,500 soft, veterans transitioning per year is what mm-hmm. statistics tell us. And um and we are trying to serve that population. And so to do that, we've got to be a well oiled machine and we have yeah. we have a host of volunteers that help us do that because there's we have a three man team here in Virginia Beach, um a two man team in Camp Lejeune, uh a three man team in San Diego and virtual and then the rest is volunteers and so Mm -hmm. um we just kind of come together and so that just doesn't stay but to the point of um you know we we're just here to do whatever the fellow needs to do and um and meet them where they are we're not going to push past that deeper than that if if they want to go there they'll let us know yeah, but we yeah. I just I think I know that you know I'm preaching to the choir, but I guess I just wanted to verbalize that mm-hmm. that's not what we're here for. We're not here to put. We'll we'll be here if that's what you need us for or where you need to go, but <clears throat> we're not going to push. Um, it, yeah, and we're talking about this because you know there's a there's a stigma that is out in the world. And like I said, it's influenced by Hollywood, it's influenced by media, and 
the stigma is is that these guys just want to sit around and talk old war stories. But you know, the truth of the matter is, and you know, and there is some, there's. Let me tell you something. When you are privileged to hear about some of the funny things that these guys do in their career, it's awesome. I mean, you just sit and listen. To, you know, some of the guys are out there. The you know the old former team from the TNQ podcast. They they sat on did a video and they're talking story, and it's awesome and it's hilarious. You know, their antics and the things that they go through. It's a, that's a lot of fun. But you know what? At the end of the day. The majority of these guys aren't just going to do that with just anybody or everybody. And so, you know, their their experience, um, their unit, you know, their accoutrements, you know, their badges, they, these things have a tendency to open doors for them quicker than, than most people in this world. And, and there's a reason for that because they come with a high level of skill set and those doors should be opening for them. But you know what? When they step through that door – and they're inquiring. They're not looking backwards. They're looking forwards. And these guys aren't in that mindset where they want to sit around and talk old war horse stories with their new employer. And they do get uncomfortable when people start asking questions like, how many guys did you kill? And I've heard that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, seriously, really? You know, don't go there with them. And, you know, part of this episode is to help you guys understand how to hire an elite warrior. And by us walking through you guys how this program works, we'll hopefully give you some sense of an idea of what kind of conversations you should be having with them and avoiding the ones that, look, they're going to shut you out and they're just not going to want to come to the table and talk to you if you push them on things that we really shouldn't be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I, I don't know that I can. I mean, you just said that perfectly. Um, I think that um, when they are given the space, the authentic space, um, and it doesn't take them very long at all to figure out whether or not you're worthy of their trust. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> then it just takes off from there mm-hmm. you know some of them I think enjoy sharing that and then some of them think that you know it's just something that they save for their brothers yes and so I find everything that they do kind of fascinating um, I'm just that kind of behavioral scientist geek um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I just, again, just take what they'll give me. I treat it very preciously. Um, mm-hmm. And feel very privileged when they do uh, offer. So, but, but, you know, we have some that um, it might take them the 15 weeks to get there. I honestly don't think that I've ever finished a cohort and they not been there mm-hmm. some way, shape, or fashion. But they just all arrive at a different time. Yeah, and some some go deeper than others. You know, some some just and, and those actually that to be honest with you, some of the ones that don't go that deep, more often than not, they still have time in service because we usually introduce this process to them anywhere between eighteen to six months, sometimes even quicker, before they get out. So we have a lot of people that are still continuing to serve. And, you know, they just, 
they still have to keep their mind on track of, you know, the task at hand before they can take their terminal leave or really invest more time into, well, I got 18 months and I don't think there's a company out there that's going to hold a job for me. So I, you know, they kind of put the pause, they, they slow down the process a little bit, but you know, we're always here and whenever they're ready to pick it back up again, it's like, okay, you know, like we just had that last class, you know, two weeks ago. <laughs> it's, it just feels the same because we all, we're all on the same page. Yeah. And <laughs> you have like the naughtiest cohort ever. <laughs> I mean the last one. <laughs> yes. Uh, they were so much fun though. God, they, they were, were hilarious though. Oh goodness. You know what they said by the end? They said, what's that, um, uh, I used to tell them that, you know, this is not appropriate for corporate America. You know that, right? As I'm trying not to laugh at that. But they, what did they say? Oh, Patty Hurst. Remember Patty Hurst? And she had that where she ended up liking her captors. <laughs> I can't think of what syndrome that is. <laughs> but that's it. I told them I missed them over Thanksgiving break, and they're like, "She's got that Patty Hearst syndrome." <laughs> I know. And we went, so they go on a trek too. So they actually go out to these mega corporations in different sections of the U.S. You know, we've done Houston, we've done Seattle, um, you know, and you know, North Carolina, you know, real up and coming areas you know, San Francisco, or she met San Francisco, San Diego, New York City. So we take into, you know, these real cap, literally capitals of industry and captains of industry, excuse me. And, you know, they they see what it's like. They get firsthand experience of it. And, um, you know, so we go for a couple weeks without seeing him. And then, God, graduation happens. And it's like cutting the umbilical cord. It's so weird. Go back to that trek, though, because I have been thinking, I've been trying to explain uh, to some folks about the magic that happens on trek. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's four days that you start at sun up and you go to way after sundown of going from company to company. And so we're really to the fellows, too, because we're basically together almost. 24 seven, um, you know, we're, we're traveling together, uh, we're eating together, we're, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, who shows up grumpy and who shows up happy in the morning. But I think that because it is such an intense four days, I don't know if I can articulate this, but I think if you went, if you took the fellows to a company, one company every week. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like 15 companies. But because we do, I think that they would forget in, in between those visits mm-hmm. what they were seeing and, and feeling. But because <clears throat> we cram that 15 companies into four days, it almost makes culture become almost a tangible thing. Yeah, because there's such tight comparison, yeah. and you can go from company to company and say, you know, I really liked when they were talking about their challenges. That really resonated with me, and I can see myself going in that company and helping them fix yeah. what they need help with. 
and then you go to another company and they go, okay, that company was just, um, I don't think that my mindset would be happy there. You know, that there's maybe there's not enough structure or maybe that whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know that you would get that if it were spread out. There's just, because I was just trying to figure out, you know, I tell fellows sometimes, just protect those dates and give yourself the opportunity to go on this trek because it is just some aha moments happen. And I think that's part of what it is. Plus, the folks that, that plan our treks, um, Sandy here in Virginia Beach, you know, they're trying to do as much exposure to as many diverse companies as they can possibly mm-hmm. get. And there have even been times where I think to myself, why are we going here? And then you get in there and you have a peek behind the curtain and the CEO or, or somebody from the C-suite telling you what their challenges are that you as the general public had no clue. And the guys are able to either resonate or say, hey, I'm ruling that one out. Yep. Um, and they're already calculating. I mean, that's the thing. They're they're yeah. doing what they do best. They assess. Yeah. They evaluate. <clears throat> they analyze, and then they start processing. Okay, so how can how can this, how where can I make an impact, or is this really is this really the fight I want to get into? You know, is this is the juice yeah. worth the squeeze here? And yeah. and culture, and I and I want to go back and talk about culture because you really rang a bell. Culture is huge. Huge to these guys. Now, there are guys that, and fellows and graduates and alumni, um, where culture, like a Disney World kind of culture or an Amazon kind of culture, uh, you know, Fortune 100 top best places to work culture, that's not always a fit. Majority of the time, yes, that's, you know, they're really, they're really turned on to something like that. But, um, you know, I've, I've coached a couple of guys out of our Camp Lejeune campus, and I have one in particular that I can think of um, who's just like, that I'm not so much worried about because the conversation that we were having was really focused in around a lot of the security stuff that he used to do. And so he's not so much worried about that because the type of work he was considering didn't have to take culture that type of environment into into account because he's focused in on is the company prepared to help, you know, keep their employees and their, uh, not parishioners, that's church. <laughs> I don't want to say customers. <laughs> it's a long day, Janie. Anyway, uh, but, you know, the, the, the people that, you know, all right, their customers, we'll just say it that way, their customers, their employees, the vendors, you know, everybody that, you know, sets foot in that particular building or building, you know, that to that person was more important than just, you know, he doesn't need anybody to make him feel good because doing the job that he was talking about doing, that's what rang his bell. And so we were looking at that. And you know what? He went down that path. And then he discovered after going through about two more weeks of doing some of the work and content, that he actually got excited about a completely different, like not even in the same ballpark and sports arena, um, potential career. And now he's now he's figuring that out, right? 
So now <clears throat> culture is kind of starting to take a little bit of a shape, maybe not so much as a top Fortune 100, but he's starting to understand, okay, so this is the kind of environment I do want to work in. And so when we talk about culture, that's really what we're referring to is what kind of environment do you want to work in? And can they positively contribute to that <clears throat> in, in whatever mechanism that is intrinsically valuable to them? So it's different. It's a little different for everybody. Some of these guys got alligator thick skin. Most of them have thick skin. And there's some others that are just like, hey, you know, <clears throat> I'm that guy that just, here's what I need. And I'm not willing to put up with the BS anymore. And it's like, okay, that's fine. You know, then we'll start focusing in on that direction. Absolutely. Your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it brings to mind a company. Um, it was a young tech company that we visited and you know there there was not a veteran in sight um they will often get their veterans to speak to our group just to i call it do the crosstalk um mm -hmm. you know they spit out hey if you did this in the navy then this is what they're talking about or i did this in the navy so i was really able to use that here um to do this that translation that you were mm -hmm. talking about earlier mm -hmm. um but at this particular company, um, with a veteran in sight, um, very, very young crowd, and um, you could just see and feel that that they thrived on no structure, and they thrived on um, kind of letting their feelings be their guide, and so that just did not resonate with, with most of our folks. And that's, mm -hmm. that's exactly what the trek is intended to be is to, and, and you could tell that from the top down, the way you were just describing, um, you know, from the moment we walked in the door to the moment we left and everyone in between, um, you just saw that play out in everything. And so that's where we're able to use those treks to, as you said, either rule in or rule out and pivot and go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's it's not, oh, but you could, there's no talking them into it. They see it, they feel it, and we go where they want to go. It's dating. <laughs> it does seem to be coming back it to does. that. It does. It does seem to be coming back to that. It really does. But it's building that, you know, it's building that relationship. And it's building that emotional connection, and, and eventually it gets that level of excitement up. And if it's just not a fit, it's a very polite path, and I'm going to go focus in on this. But the cool part is, is when they start getting excited about stuff. <clears throat> you know, they come back to track and they're excited because now we're not just talking about in theory. It it has flavor to it. They've they can smell it. You know, they've met with real people, not just avatars and profiles on LinkedIn, um, yeah. you know, they've, they've had exposure and they're listening to real world, real time problems. And, uh, you know, and that's what, that's what makes it or breaks it <clears throat> as far as direction and opportunity. And, you know, I had, I have one guy in a cohort who had a job, <clears throat> they were willing to hold it for four months. And and he's like, yeah, I want all this opportunity, and you know, I want to do this. And and this particular job, first off, the fact that the company was large enough that would be willing to hold it for somebody for that long, blew me out of the water. And then when he told me who it was, 
I was really excited because, you know, I come from that Fortune 500 background. That's what this organization was. And I'm like, dude, you want all this experience. That's the door opener right there. Because I tell guys, if the door doesn't open, it's not your opportunity. It's not for you. That's not your door. But this means it blew the hinges off of it and everything. And he's like, as he's talking about, I'm like, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. You're not even out. You've got four months left, and they're willing to hold the job for you. And he says, yeah, you know, he's I'm actually thinking about going to work for myself. And I'm like, okay, so then here's what you really need to consider. <clears throat> you want to get all of this experience and all of this really great stuff to build, you know, a powerful resume for yourself. Do you honestly think you're going to be able to do that working as yourself? And, and you don't need to answer me, but you need to answer yourself. Yes. There's two things that you just said that made me think back to. So <clears throat> when there are thousands of organizations that are focused on helping veterans and they, they run the gamut and yes. the spectrum of efficiency. But oftentimes, when our when our veterans when we're out, people truly authentically want to help, and so a couple of things. One, we do try to help them navigate that uh, sipping from the fire hose, or you know, mm-hmm. how, how do you how do you handle um, what can be very overwhelming, and so we do talk about that. And the other thing is that when you have people that are truly excited about helping you, you can fall into the shiny red ball syndrome where, <laughs> oh, and oh, and oh, and oh. So going back to that first phase where we created that measuring stick helps us to go back and say, I know that sounds really cool, but, and as you said, they have to answer this, not us. Yeah. We might think we see it. But we take them back and say, hey, you just spent all this time reflecting, and, and these, this is what you came up with, and this is what you were able to identify as important to you. Does this match that? So, like, if you say, if you identify that you want to um, not travel and you want to um, – love what you do, right? then if you pick a, a job that is going to have you traveling um, 75, 80% of the time, what we're saying is, hey, go back and look at that because that's not matching that measuring stick that you created for yourself. Right. And a lot of times it's that, that shiny ball thing, you know, it's slowing yourself down and, um, and looking at it as a more long-term thing. But but that helps with um, that piece of it. And then we try to help with the overwhelming part of there's just so many people out there that do want to help and do want to open doors and do want to hold things. Yeah. And bear in mind, you know, we're talking, we're talking about, you know, people who are gone, who have gone through a structured regimented program and they have successfully completed it. But these things are still very prevalent with individuals who choose not to go through a program like this. And we've got some folks in Scotland spec ops that don't necessarily know about us. And, you know, the more more we're around, the more the word gets around. We have over 600, you know, alumni in, what, six yeah. years? Yeah. Five. So, five? 
Five years. Um, You're right. It has been five. So, because I've been doing this for four. No. Yeah, I guess it was. So, anyway, so we've got quite a few. Yeah, a short period of time, quite a few people have gone through this. So, you know, it's out there. So, you know, as you're listening to this and you're absorbing this information, you know, just bear in mind that this is relevant to anybody who's worked in special operations. And, um, Mm. you know, so this... So if somebody hasn't gone through a program, that doesn't mean like they're broken or something. You can't talk to them and hire them. But, you know, you can use this information to start, you know, asking them questions like, you know, how often do you want to travel? You know, and if you're if you're committed to supporting veterans, these are key takeaway points that these folks, if unless they've gone through a program, they really haven't given any thought to. And I think it will definitely give some opportunity for, you know, listeners to be able to, discern, okay, so I need to have a different kind of conversation with somebody who's, you know, served as a ranger or served as a PJ or served as a SEAL or, you know, SWIC or whatever, right? They just come from that different places. So these are some really great takeaways, and that's why we want to talk about the program a little bit so you understand what an elite warrior goes through or somebody that's worked in an elite environment like Naval Special Warfare or, you know, Marine Recon or something like that, Marine Raiders, excuse me. Um, it, it's just it's just a different ballgame in a different environment. And unless you've been exposed to it, this just isn't what you think it is. Well, and I think you bring up a good point too. Um, you know, the, the statistic for length of job post- service I think is eight months mm-hmm. that first job uh, I'll have to fact check that I think I've got that right eight months first job eight months so yeah. we are just trying to open the aperture not to say and we do remind the guys you know you're not signing a four-year contract six-year contract whatever um, you, you don't have to stay there if it's not a good fit but we're just all about increasing those chances of getting a good fit on the front end. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about, you know, it's all about breeding success. And, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about our leadership for a minute because our CEO was in the first cohort on the East Coast and he's a phenomenal human being. He's a trip too. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> we love Matt. <laughs> he, uh, yes. So it's really been a unique situation because I've, I, my background, uh, I started um, in, so I've had like city government, um, state government, and government contracting, and then commercial um, in my background. And so, but no military. I I was not in the military. Um, My relatives were in the military. And my father was in the military, but it was not career military, so I don't even remember most of that. But um, it's kind of cool to kind of come full circle because I did start here before Matt was here. Um, But now coming under his leadership and seeing the the value in and separating, I mean, he is a phenomenal human being, Mm -hmm. um, and he demonstrates that. But then kind of starting to discern where some of his great leadership skills come from and, you know, 
being able to identify that some of that is all of it's military um, is also helping me understand our community better and translate better. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it did. Okay, good. Um, okay. So, and then he's just such a trusted agent in the community um, and is very close to the needs of the community. um, And he's just really a great, um, you know, like a great gauge or, you know, if I go to him and say, okay, hey, I'm stuck. Um, I have a fellow who I'm trying to get from here to here. And, you know, he just has great insight coming from the community. So it's just been mm-hmm. a huge boost for us. Um, and we've just really, I think last year was our year of transition. So 2020, we're out of the gate for campuses running simultaneously for mm-hmm. the first time. Um, our coaching uh, tribe is up to 182. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Our mentor tribe, um, the people team is is um, reconnecting with all of those and um, working on that, and we're just off to a great start um, for 2020. Uh, new impact, new VP of impact coming on next week. Um, looking to grow, you know, at Fort Bragg and um, SoCom in Tampa. I don't know. I think they've got like nine campuses. Um, that are especially in in rural Matt's head, but just the growth that we're getting ready to be able to meet closer to that twenty five hundred. So all all great things um, under his leadership, and then just working with him every day is um, as a mentor and um, a comedian is just awesome. <laughs> And that he is is a comedian for sure. Yeah, he is. He is so fun. He really is. He's a lot of fun. I remember when I first met him, he used to scare me to death because he just, you know, he just, he just has that that look, you know. And it, after a while, I got the chance to help him out with a few things, and and just really awesome guy. But um, so for folks who are listening and are interested in. Um, potentially looking at bringing on or strategically uh, recruiting for somebody in elite, you know, as an elite warrior in your, from your experience, from your perspective, what are some key takeaways that you would recommend for anybody listening to this to consider in this process? You mean like what kind of skill set would they be getting? Not well, no, not really, because we covered that. But I think more or less, like I'll give you for instance, um, you know, when, in my opinion, that when you bring in an elite warrior, you have to have some sort of transition plan to bring this person on and really spend some time helping them adapt to this new community and this new culture, in my opinion. I think that's where you can absolutely – kind of almost guarantee success. Um, A lot of times what we find is if they have a mentor program where someone will just, like they don't need to um, be taught leadership skills or or those kinds of things. Oh, no, not at all. The 
just what they just need to know is what's the dynamic um right. are you a like you know like kind of like a fast track to the office politics mm-hmm. um if you would and you know the the things that they just need a little help with is you know why is everybody late to meetings <laughs> <laughs> you didn't come from that culture. What's going on? Um, and no, they not, don't put them in a rubber boat with ice and you know have right. them all around in it or anything. They don't. They don't do that. Although they may want to, but <laughs> yeah, right. But they no. won't do that. <laughs> um, you know, I, why do we do things at an eighty yeah. percent? You know, why are why are we good with eighty percent? Like less right. than a hundred percent was failure where I come from. Right. So it's it's just those subtle um and and we don't even pay attention to them in the civilian world but you know just those subtle mind shifts of coming from something that um you know you're all in uh failure is not an option all the things that in the civilian world we crave and want more of um but just those little mind shifts and just getting them up to speed on the individual culture and um, things that, you know, I was thinking about my own transition and even coming to the Honor Foundation after um, being a senior vice president in a company, um, it was still, you know, I kind of needed somebody to, to show me the ropes, um, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's, what's my political landscape here? How do I get things done? Um, who does what? Who do I go to for what? Really, if you think about it, just that kind of thing, it's right. Just, um, just more of that, if you would. I mean, and I you don't need, and you don't need to hold their hand. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. No, but you don't need no. to hold their hand. You just need to be a soundboard. It, just tiny. All you have to do is tell them one time. Yeah, um, just, just tiny little. You know, hey, this is the way we do it, and then they they adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have that in their world because yeah, you know, when they when they go down range or they go wherever. They've got intel and preparation, and they've got people. That's part of their routine, and it's not part of the civilian world routine. Probably should be. Yeah. Um, I mean, think if think about just anyone kid graduates from college or someone's new to the company. If they were given a someone uh, a mentor, someone that they knew was a trusted agent to go to and ask questions. I mean, think about how. They wouldn't have to spend their time figuring that stuff out. They could just mm-hmm. produce. Right. So it, it's really no different, but when we can get employer partners to think about that, and they've actually implemented programs for everyone in a lot of those companies, but especially veteran programs because they see the value and the return on the investment for a very small um ask or very small um, investment, mm-hmm. huge returns. So, yeah, yeah I got awesome. on a tangent, but anyway. No, no, it's a perfect tangent. It's a podcast episode. That's why we want tangents. Oh, I, well, I think I've given you several tangents. I'm very, I call myself a THF enthusiast, but. Um, well, that ooh. helps. Because I'm about ready to do a shameless plug for THF. So listen, so if you folks want to, this is this is a pretty amazing organization, and there isn't you know, there isn't anybody out there that's going to convince me otherwise. And 
I, you know, I strongly recommend that if you want to get involved and if you want to bring somebody in at the, on the elite level, that, you know, you start building a relationship with us over at THF. And you know what? If you want to turn around and do some more good in this world other than just bring somebody in, we need sponsorship. <clears throat> you know, this is this is a great investment of time, energy, resources, but, you know, it we could use the sponsorship to keep this program, you know, continuing so we can hit that 2,500 personnel mark annually, you know, because if we, we've seen, we've seen the magic behind this. And, you know, even though guys may not have had, you know, they may not have hit hit their target on their first job, but you know what? We've seen these guys take the skills that they've learned in, you know, they, they dealt with a different world for 30 years, 20 to 30 years. And then they turn around and take these skills that we've only spent at the most just under just under four months teaching them how to do, and they turn around and they crush it and they find what it is that they want, right? Because it's a process and you tell them to trust it. But that process comes with a price too. And so we are looking for sponsorship continuously to help support these men and women as they as they, you know, get out into the world and are ready to go show show the rest of the world what they're made out of, you know, outside of fatigues <laughs> and BDUs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's one of their hardest things. They're like, what am I going to wear? <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> do I really need to shave today? Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know. So you know. So yeah, we we definitely so. Janie, would you be willing to kind of take them through how they can find folks at THF? Everybody knows pretty much how to find me at this point, but how how can they reach out to THF and and start that process of support and engagement? So um, if you forget uh, about what I'm about to tell you, if you go to honor.org and contact us, that's one way. Mm-hmm. But especially uh, if you are in the on the East Coast, um, Janie at honor.org, and I'll get you where you need to go. Yeah. And if you guys, you know, don't have that information, if you lose it, you can always reach out to me at any of my platforms, and you know, we'll get you we'll get you connected, we'll get you linked up. If you have open opportunities, we'll get you connected to our people people. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And and possibly even get you some candidates. And you could also follow the Honor Foundation over on LinkedIn. All you have to type is the Honor Foundation and follow them as a group. And and we do put out. Um, is profile is a good word to use. I think we call them feature fellows. Yes. I think they go out like every Wednesday, once a month, once a Wednesday, something. Something like that, but but what we do is we kind of do like a a fellow spotlight, so to speak, and and you know those that we know that are still seeking opportunity, um, you know we don't broadcast who and what division that they work for, but we do, you know we do highlight you know what their talents and and you know what their capable what their capabilities are, and and that has also been fairly pretty successful as well. Yeah, it has. You're right. So. Well, Brenda, thank you so much for letting me chatter on about uh, my favorite subject. Um, Mine too. So thanks. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah. It's been a, a blast having you on here. And 
um, looking forward to, you know, continuing to work with the organization and seeing things grow and flourish and more people be successful and making new friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you again for your commitment to us and all. Well, thanks. ready for the stress of 2020 to just absolutely disappear. <laughs> I'm serious. It, is, it has been just the biggest year of challenge. There's been so many highs, so many lows, probably more lows than highs this year. And uh, you know what? It's just if you haven't yet figured out how to regulate your stress and regulate what's going on in your body, <clears throat> what's what's going on in your environment, how to take care, better care of yourself, I you know what, if you don't, you're going to succumb to stress and the right mindset. And actually in our next podcast, you're going to love it because we're actually going to be talking about, we got an, uh, an awesome guest by the name of John McLaren. He's a former U.S. Navy SEAL. He's coming in and we're talking about battling limiting self-beliefs. And I'm telling you right now, you really need to tune into that one because it's a fantastic conversation. But, you know, stress is real. It's a it's a real killer. It kills your mood. It kills your relationships. It kills you. It kills everything. It kills your bright vision of the world. Because believe it or not, out there right now, even though there's all this crap going on, there's still a lot of really great stuff to appreciate and enjoy. And in this COVID environment, with all the challenges that we've been facing in 2020, you really need to figure out how to manage your stress. You need to figure out how to manage your mindset and how you feel about what's going on in the world. Not to mention start taking care of your recovery and how you do that is by making some changes in what you put in your body and how you move it. Now there's two things that I've done for myself that is working to improve my sleep and improve my eating. Um, I use MASF Smashing Greens and that actually gives me that dense rich nutrients that I need that I don't get and it helps my equilibrium. It's also helped me lose quite a bit of weight too Um, and now I'm about ready to take off in the second half of, of what I want to do for myself. And, and that's pretty awesome. But most importantly, I've been able to keep up my immune system by including that dense nutritional support. And in a time like right now, we all have to keep up our immunity. It's big. It's important. Super, 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 super huge. But I've also managed my stress. And I've done that by increasing the amount I sleep each evening and giving myself the ability to reset and relax. I've gotten away from the blue light of you know, technology. I sit in front of my computer all day and I do work. I try and get outside as much as I possibly can. But I also take Naked Warrior Recovery CBD gummies and they are THC free because there's nothing worse than the HR lady who could potentially pop for a drug test. Not a good plan, but they help me recover from the day. I lower my stress and it helps me achieve a solid seven hours of good restful sleep each, each evening. And it also helps address inflammation from having a job that where I sit all day long. <clears throat> so between those two things, look guys, I, I mentioned it before, I don't get paid at all um, for these things. I mean, Will is very kind. He sends me product every now and again. And uh, you know what? He wants to give you 20% off on your first purchase. And you can use my special code, NAKEDHR. <laughs> you can't forget it. <laughs> you can go ahead and use it and get 20% off your first purchase by Make sure that you look up Naked Warrior Recovery. Don't just look up Naked Warrior because you'll get 
something you don't want. You don't want to be doing that at work. All right. All right. Email me your HR questions. <clears throat> you know, I love it when you guys send me questions. You can submit your questions at brendathehrlady.com, the website, by clicking on the podcast link from the menu down towards the bottom of the podcast page. You'll find a submission form for you to go ahead and post your questions, which may be read and answered on an upcoming episode. So I just thought this was a hilarious question. I've answered it in some of the speaking that I've done, but I, I need to answer it again because you know what? <clears throat> we just need to laugh. That's just all there is to it. There's just so much garbage going on. I'm just going to give you a good laugh. And, and if you're driving, you may want to consider pulling over or just look, be ready for this because you're going to go, oh my God, <laughs> easily. So the question is, what made your jaw drop during a job interview? Well, I was able to maintain my composure, but in my head, I was like, what? And it turned out, this is a long time ago, back when I was in HR Sprout, and I just started doing interviewing. I just started conducting interviews. <laughs> and the way that this place was set up, we had, we didn't have cubicles, we had open desks. And so it was pretty easy for anybody to kind of walk through the facility and see who was sitting where doing what and all that good stuff, right? <laughs> so I was doing an interview with this gentleman who came in, obviously for a position, and, um, you know, we're sitting there talking and, and it was an okay kind of interview, but where it went south and where it absolutely went sideways was then this woman came up with a child in her arms and she sits down and she starts nursing right next to this guy in the middle of our interview. <laughs> so it turns out he brought his wife. And uh, little little junior there needed some lunch, and and it was it was really interesting because it it definitely startled me. <laughs> it was not anything I was ready to ready to uh, to take on. So that was that was the one thing that made my jaw drop for sure. So that's my story. So there you go. <laughs> that's my question. So you should get a good chuckle out of that. All right, well, part of being a solid HR champion or solid HR pro is knowing what to do and when to do it. Some of that comes with practice. Some of it comes with instinct. And the rest of the time, you cheat. <laughs> you use an HR planner. If you, haven't, if you haven't created one, guess what? We got something for you. The new 2021 HR planner is coming out in December, and we're currently taking pre-order sales. We've sold quite a few of them. The books are in print. They're on order. I'm very excited, and I've extended the reduced special rate offer to go on until November 25th. If you purchase the 2020 version of the best HR planner on the planet, then this version will blow you out of the water because we've added more. And in the planner, you're going to find an overview of what HR pros and champions do, uh, the skills needed, as well as detailed work activities and a bunch of other stuff, okay? You're going to find a breakdown of the various employment laws that you're required to follow based on your company size. It'll do a deeper dive into what federal contractors need to adhere to as far as compliance goes. A 12-month overview of HR compliance deadlines as well. A 12-month planner with tips and tasks to help keep you on course. And a list of U.S. holiday and observances as well as a year-end checklist and access to over 60 online resources and more. So you can order your 2021 copy at a discount until November 25th at brendathehrlady.com. Just simply click on shop at the top and your planner will be shipped to you in December. So make sure you grab your copy today and get a head start on planning your tomorrow and hopefully a much sweeter 2021. 
And, you know, look, we're, we're having awesome conversations in the next gen women in HR community. We are growing like crazy. Holy cow. We're getting close to our, our next big benchmark, which is just fantastic. And, uh, you know what, there are some real people over there and there are new and exciting changes that bound to be coming. Actually, I'm going to be announcing a new one in December. So I'm pretty excited about, uh, what's coming down, uh, in ahead for 2021. And uh, we do that in the community over there. It's an awesome group of women and men, and we're growing strong and fast. And I can definitely speak for the group and share that we would love to have you join us and get into the conversation. And if you are an HR pro or an aspiring pro listening in, I believe that there's six aspects of HR leadership that in order for you to be successful, you must figure out how to master them. Even if you aren't an HR manager and are looking to get better at, at being a people leader, these six aspects will absolutely help you, and they are all available in my free HR leadership course at brendathehrlady.com. Now, I'm going to be honest and let you know that it is my secret goal to have you join our HR coaching and mentoring program to help you skill up and feel confident in your HR progression. When you sign up for the course, you'll get my best practices and updated update deliver, deli- oh my gosh, blah, updates delivered directly to your inbox. And you know what? If you are uh, feeling generous and in the early holiday spirit, which I know a lot of people are right now, uh, if you guys could do me a favor, please hop over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to to this show and do me a favor, leave a five-star review. I would really greatly appreciate it. If you guys would like to follow me, you're welcome to go ahead and connect with me. Uh, You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Brenda the HR Lady. You can also find me on LinkedIn just simply by typing in my name, which is Brenda Neckbottle, and that's B-R-E-N-D-A-N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. I also co-host another show called The Real HR Show with the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas. And lastly, you can jump on, uh, actually, The Real HR Show you can find over on YouTube, and you can jump on the website at brendathehrlady.com where you can read the news updates that I called out earlier in today's episode Simply visit brendathehrlady.com, click on the podcast link, and you can get this week's articles. Guys, thank you so much for for jumping in yet again on another episode. Um, can't wait to you guys here next week. So it's going to be fantastic. And congratulations again to Janie Livesay. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but Janie actually, uh, we put her up for nomination for the Women in Business Awards to the Stevie Awards, and she won the bronze in uh, the category of, 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 I think it was women mentors, and um, she did awesome. She's very, very proud of her, and women mentors for a nonprofit specifically. So congratulations again, Janie, and uh, love working with you. And we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.